0: You're listening to the Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner.
1: So, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a subject that not a lot of people like to um, talk about, and quite frankly, the person I've got who I'm going to be talking to today. Um, if you were to meet him at a network, not to meet him personally at a networking event, but you know, you know what he actually does for a living, a lot of people would actually run a while. Um, however,
0: <laughs> I don't take it personally.
1: <laughs> however, um, you know, putting insurance in place in the event of your death, especially if you've got family and you've got children, is a really serious concern, and. I've been asking James to come onto the podcast for quite some time now, and um, I planned to speak to him last month. Obviously, the month of October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I thought it would have been a really good time for us to to discuss it then, but we were both really quite busy with other projects, so we've only really just got the opportunity to sit down now. Um, But like I say, life insurance is a subject that not a lot of people know a lot about and there's so many questions that people are very embarrassed to ask. So I'm hoping that we're not gonna bore you to tears today because it's not the most exciting of subjects. However, the questions that I do think we're gonna go over for you today um, are gonna be questions that would be very useful to you if you were to be sat in front of a um, a life insurance expert and you know that would help you plan for your family's future. So without further ado, Let's welcome James Marks to the podcast today. James Marks is a senior associate. He's been a financial advisor for many, many years. He's an ex-colleague of mine um, from a company that I worked at for five years. And he's probably one of the few people that I would trust in this industry, hence why I asked him to come along to the podcast today. So welcome to the podcast, James.
0: Thank you for that. Um, It's... See if we can tackle some of these interesting questions about life insurance today.
1: Okay. What's the most common question you get asked, James?
0: Um, The most common question is most probably, am I not covered through work? That, yeah. that tends to be the biggest misconception. Well, it's not actually a misconception. To be fair, a lot of people are covered through work, um, and some, some work policies are very good. Um, the only issue with them generally is that when you leave your place of work, you no longer have the life insurance it leaves with you. Um, and what a lot of people don't consider is that the percentage of people that actually die during work is actually relatively low. Mm. It's probably a good thing, um, but it is relatively low. So what normally happens is people get ill, then unfortunately the work has to let them go. And because they've let them go, they lose the life insurance. And then if they subsequently die they then don't have the protection in place for their family.
1: So quite often having work life insurance isn't actually as good as it sounds. It's not, I
0: mean, it's, it's always, I would look at it as a, a bonus almost. Mm. Um, if, if like most, not all, but like most expats, you move around companies and you move around countries, mm. if you can get something in place that follows you wherever you go, Um, And that's adequate to look after your family, um, God forbid, if something happens, then then you're fully covered no matter what. If your company offers something, and that might change from company to company, then, okay, you can't have too much life insurance, in my opinion. But you can always have not enough, Mm -hmm. and that generally is the case, unfortunately, with with most people.
1: Yeah, 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 thank you for that. And I do think that's a really important point to to discuss and i know when i was sitting with a lot of individuals that was the first thing quite a lot of them would say um in the industry you know in sales you would call it an objection yes um you know i've already got life insurance through my employer yeah but the reality is and it isn't just a sales tactic when um financial advisors are sat down in front of you and 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 they say well yeah that's all good and well but you know, it's good to have your own in place as well. That's not actually, you know, for the reasons you've just stated, um, you know, a lot of insurance companies and a lot of employers, you know, if payouts are made, that comes at a cost to the company. And that also comes at a cost to the other employees because their premiums go up so quite often not saying that this is going to be the case with a lot of companies but they're going to avoid paying insurance out if they can
0: yeah i mean a lot of the policies and, and you know some companies do have very very strong policies i will say but a lot of companies just tick a box um now if if i'm sat with a client they're adamant that they've got this happens I've definitely got enough through work and then it's it's always worth and it's worth doing this regardless anyway um, to actually work through the figures you know look at um, the two main reasons for life insurance in my opinion is long term debt and dependence so if you work through the individual figures that are relevant to your situation and then you work out exactly how much you would need um, in the event of death and then look at what have I actually got through work because quite often it's 10 times um, your basic. Now, as we know here in this region, a lot of the time your basic is a lot less than your take home, but people get that confused. So if, if you're earning, let's just make up some figures. Here. If you're earning 40,000 take home, but your basic's actually only 20 when you take a housing allowance and school fees and everything else, that's a massive difference. That's like half the amount. Mm. And if you've calculated your life insurance on the higher amount, then your family's gonna be left short. Um, again some clients will look at it and they'll go well I will include my work uh, life insurance as part of my overall life insurance um, again um, as long as they have something that's consistent I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a bad thing um, but they just need to make sure that they reassess that every time they change jobs
1: mm. I guess there's lots of ways of approaching it and calculating it um, I mean I used to say as, as a general rule and this is really quite general that um you know if you times your annual income you said by 10 i'd say i used to say that by 20. i mean that that was a good and that would be a good level of life insurance you know obviously time no i would ask them to times it by the number of years they've got left to retire yeah so that means that that individual would have enough income would have the same level of income their family would you know at the same level of income that, that the, they've currently got in the event that anything happened to any of them however i would always point out that that that's actually a really really good level of cover and not yeah. all people need that any insurance is better than no insurance that's but
0: i sorry to interrupt. I totally agree. Um, look, I, I, th- I think it's a very much an individual thing. What you don't want to have is you don't want to have too much insurance and pay too much money, because hopefully, um, if you're taking a term insurance to, say, a, a retirement age, as an example, you, you need that money up to retirement, if, if you were to die before, to make sure that your family's looked after, or that your long-term debt's paid off. So, um, if... If you have too much, then you're paying too high premium. But everyone is different. You know, if you've got young children, there's a lot of moving parts in this. Do you want to make sure there's enough money there to cover their university fees? Um, Do you have a house back home for your wife and children in this example to move back into? Is that a consideration? Um, Maybe don't look at what you earn, but look at what they would need. Because if they're going back home and living costs are half the price, why would you base it on here? Because then you're going to be paying twice the amount. Mm. Most, not all, everyone's different, but most people will move home when something like this happens. So if you base it on what's affordable here, but what you would physically need in the different scenarios, and this is another reason why I think it's important to have both the couples involved in the conversation, because they will have different opinions. And obviously you want to get the amount right without it being too much, but at the same time making sure it's adequate.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely worth sitting down, like you say, with both couples. I remember in the past when I used to sit down with the men and then I would sit down with the man and the wife together, their face yeah. when you know, you're know you going over the to. financials. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's an ego thing with men, but quite often they would just say that they were earning a hell of a lot more than they were. Yeah. Whereas women just tend to be so much more... Kind of honest and realistic about it.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing is, that they both have different objections, objections, and different um, ideas of, of what they want. So, if, if you get the agreement between two of them, then then you make sure it's fully bulletproof.
1: Okay. Out of the people that you sit down with, generally, um, what would you say the average age was? Um,
0: I'd probably say mid to late thirties.
1: Because age is a big factor when it comes to life insurance. Obviously, because the the younger you are, the less statistically you're deemed to be at risk. So the insurance is going to be a lot cheaper. And if you are taking term insurance, then that premium is going to stick with you until the end of the term. You know, which is if you take that until you you, you know your retirement, you're stuck with that. Well, you're not stuck is probably the, not the correct terminology to, to use because you know you, you, you've benefited from that low premium up until your retirement. But the reality is, a lot of people tend to take insurance out in their later years. Would you say late 30s, early 40s?
0: I, I would actually say generally later. Um, I think like a lot of things in life um, you you tend to do things either through um, greed or or fear so on the life insurance side of things most clients actually come to me which is quite rare and say I want life insurance it's normally because someone they know has just died um, whether that be parents or a friend or a colleague it's its a reaction to something. It's very rare that someone comes to me and says Look, I'm thinking about my family's future, their protection, I want life insurance. It's normally a reaction to something else that's happened mm. um, but I would say most people that I meet outside of work let's say when it's not a meeting um, and inside work when I meet the most clients under 40 that I meet tend only to have their work cover and it's relatively rare for them to have their own individual cover some some do I'd probably say maybe 20 25 percent do but the vast majority do not and in most cases haven't thought about it or hasn't haven't wanted to think about it
1: Mm. yeah you're totally right with what you're saying about it being a reaction and um, i don't know whether or not we'd be able to change people's opinions with this podcast but it's definitely worth planning well in advance for these scenarios and um, you know i'm guilty of being kind of reactive about a lot of events in 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 life and i think it's human nature that you you know you, you you react to situations like that you know because you I think we all think that we're never ever gonna die.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think the other um, reason that a lot of people take life insurance is once they have children as well, because all of a sudden they're they're not just having to look after themselves they've now got um a small little cute human um that is totally their responsibility and if something happens to them it's obviously going to have a massive knock-on effect on on their life um obviously emotionally but financially as well um so that is sometimes a reason why people might come forward and and say they think they need it um but I, i think to sit down any age and like you said earlier the the younger you do it the cheaper it will be um but things will obviously change through through life um but as i say if you take it younger um we can always amend things as as life goes on Um, a term insurance plan is relatively stagnant in terms of being able to make changes to it Um, but there are other plans that are a little bit more flexible so if you are on let's say the younger side and and maybe pre-having family and then maybe it's worth taking a plan that's a little bit more flexible so as we can change it in the future. Um, But again, it's a case of sitting down and and looking at all of the aspects. I mean, today we're mainly focusing on on life insurance, but I do believe um, something that's very close to that is is critical illness insurance as well. So I think looking at all (coughs) aspects- No, we need to talk about
1: critical as well. Okay, in this podcast I mean, life and to me I put that all under yeah. the same umbrella yeah. life and critical
0: yeah I mean I mean, from, from my point um, I think they're both important but yeah. I actually believe that critical illness cover is, is probably relevant to pretty much everyone because at some point you're either going to die or you're going to get a critical illness, but normally, unless you're unlucky in an accident or something, generally you get a critical illness first. So then you might have a year, year and a half, two years of of not being able to work and being ill before you die. So, again, it's planning for that side of things. Um, Statistically, um, a lot of people get ill um, relatively young, surprisingly. I mean, I think in, in the region... These figures are not exact. Mm-hmm. I think things like strokes um, in this region, the the average age is like mid 40s, um, which is really very young. I mean i always remember when i was younger thinking of something like a stroke for for you know old people 65 plus mm. um but actually because the environment we we live in here and we all work hard and obviously it's related to stress and, and everything else so it's it's again sitting down and looking at you know if if i was to get a critical illness how would that Affect me and how would it affect my family? And again, there's a different way to look at this. So I would normally look at it and say, Look, let's look at, and this is age dependent, but let's look at someone that's in their 40s. Um, I would look at what they're earning um, and then look at what they're spending. And I would actually base that cover more on what they're spending rather than what they're earning. And I would normally say to them, The, the ideal amount of cover is 36 months or three years worth of critical illness cover. This is obviously separate to the life cover. Um, the reason for that, in my opinion, is that 12 to 18 months is normally the time it takes to either hopefully fully recover, which is, which is what you want, um, or generally after that time, then, then the person tends to pass away. So with that in mind, it's 12 to 18 months of not having any financial stress. If you've not got financial stress, in my opinion, you're much more likely to get better. Because if your stress levels are lower, then you're more likely to get better. Um, Then you've got another 12 to 18 months to maybe restudy because your old job was stressful, maybe relocate. But again, you can do all these things or even looking for another job. If you've got money in the bank, you're not going to be stressed. You're not going to go to that new interview when you're recovered needing the money you're going to go there relaxed and if, if you're going there relaxed then that obviously will make that transition easier for you as well yeah
1: yeah thank you I totally agree with you that um, stress <coughs> causes a lot of illnesses and I do believe that a lot of illnesses are psychosomatic in that they're you know created in the mind yeah. you know so if you are diagnosed with something and and like i say you've got all these worries and this anxiety about how you're going to pay the bills how you're going to pay for your child's schooling how you're going to put food on the table it's not going to be it's not the best environment you know for for trying to get better because you need to be as stress-free abs- as abs- possible
0: absolutely and and again a lot of people i speak to there when again it's age dependent i mean like, i'm I'm 41, I'm a smoker, um, although I'm constantly giving up, um, but I am a smoker, so for my insurance, I probably pay about 40% more because I'm a smoker. Um, That actually makes sense because I'm more at risk, so the, the fact that I have insurance as a smoker, yeah, I'm probably more likely to get lung cancer or this type of thing. Um, but i pay more for that if someone's a non-smoker obviously they pay less so quite often i'll have meetings with people and i ask them the question do you smoke they say no so i ask them the question again do you smoke they say sometimes you ask them the question again they go well only shisha at the weekend that doesn't count and again it's this brings up the point of needing to um kind of be honest um you know some people say well what if I have to have a medical examination? Well, for me, having a medical examination is, is part of it. You know, if, if God forbid, they find something that medical examination, it's, it's better to know, but generally they're not gonna find anything, but it will give you that peace of mind at that point.
1: But most people in this region would need to have an examination. I think if, if the premium is above 250,000 or 350K with some companies, am I correct?
0: Yeah, a medical
1: examination, yeah, is it's, it's, it's,
0: it's age dependent and um, previous health history uh, mm-hmm. dependent and also cover dependent as well. So different companies have different um, kind of uh, limits, if you like, for, for when you need a medical based on age, based on limit, based on whether it's critical illness or, or life insurance. So, but it, it will always say, or it should always say on the quotation that you get, whether you will need a uh, medical. Now, if you disclose something in, in the um, health and lifestyle questionnaire, which you have to fill out as part of the application, then that might change. But mm-hmm. if it's assuming on the quotation that you're fully healthy. So it will always tell you up front if you're going to need it or not going to need it. Um, I wouldn't see it as a worry, although a lot of people do go, well, I don't really want a medical. Firstly, it's a free medical. You're not having to pay for it. The insurance company is paying for it because it's in their interest to understand what your health situation is. Um, and in my mind it's in your interest to understand what your health situation yeah. is before, before it goes in place
1: yeah yeah. I probably shouldn't really be saying this because <laughs> I certainly don't want to be encouraging people to lie when they you know, do their application forms but I'll I'll never forget this when my brother once said to me my brother used to live in Abu Dhabi he'd okay. never smoked in his life but he was a drinker So he'd literally, um, he hated smoking, but he loved to drink, which basically meant that he'd been around smokers pretty much his whole life because whenever he wasn't working, he lived in the bar, yeah? And when he went for his medical, the doctor said to him, how long have you been smoking, Mr. Turner? Wow, really? Yeah. And he was like, I've never smoked a day in my life. He was actually quite offended because he hates smoking. And that always used to get me thinking, you know, passive smoking within itself can, can be very dangerous. And how can these companies actually tell that you, you, you know, maybe you can go into this in more detail than me. How can yeah, you actually I mean, tell gen, that you,
0: gen, generally you the, are a smoker? The, the, the rule of thumb on, on any insurance application, just to cover this off, you have to be fully transparent and fully truthful because at the end of the day there's no point in not being because you're putting this in place to protect yourself or your family or both so if, if you've put something on there that isn't 100% correct and then if that's if you were found out exactly you th- wouldn't and you would be out. found out and and then the insurance company won't pay out so then there's no point in paying the premiums anyway it's um, wasted money absolutely wasted money and when it comes to smoking or, or non-smoking, and I've had similar things with clients who have given up six months, nine months before, they do a, a coatine test, I think is the right termination for that terminology for it. Um, and that determines whether you're a smoker or a non-smoker. So if you become a non-smoker, i.e. you have no nicotine intake for more than 12 months, you can go for one of these tests and, and change from a, from a smoker to a non-smoker albeit on, on a term assurance plan you, you would have to restart the, the plan from that point um, but it, again it's being, it's being honest now in your brother's situation he was being honest but because he has had passive smoking it's obviously in his system so they would have to change that for him being a smoker now again in maybe in 12 months time if he maybe sits in the non-smoking section of the bar um, that, that could change and, and then it would revert back um, but he'd done nothing. He'd done nothing wrong because he was being honest.
1: Mm. Okay. What about um, you know, medical is always a contentious issue as well because you know um, you've got the sensitivity of weight.
0: Yeah, I, I mean to
1: deal with, and obviously if you're overweight, that's going to have an impact on your premium.
0: It, it certainly can do in extreme cases. Um, I mean, one of the questions most most of the health and lifestyle questionnaires ask is. Have you dropped, uh, I think it's normally five kilograms in in the last few months? So they kind of cover that off in a way because they don't want someone fasting to the extreme of of losing weight because that can also be unhealthy as well. Or it can be a sign of of potentially something being wrong with you. Um, I think you need to go for it as you are. I mean, if if you're worried about being overweight, um, smoking too much, drinking too much, being out of shape, um, maybe worried about having diabetes or something like that. If you're worried about it, that's probably more of a reason to take the insurance. So it is what it is. You know, you can always try and change it afterwards. um, But what if you wait six months and God forbid something happens in that six months? Surely you're better to go as you are and find out as you are. And and you can always improve things in the future health-wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. so it's about just being kind of really honest. yeah because a healthy bmi obviously it does qualify you for you know the lower premium um but as you just said there are questions on that form that basically ask you if you've had any rapid weight loss in in the last few years so you can't have someone really overweight just going on like this kind of crash diet or going to a detox center losing a few kg or having kind of one of those gastric bands fitted or whatever, and having an operation to get rid of all the fat and then not disclosing that because there's questions on the form. Uh, uh, yeah, that again,
0: if, if, if they have done that, then, then they wouldn't be 100% honest, which could then affect their actual insurance at a later time. Um, I've also had examples where clients have filled out all of the application, presuming that they're very healthy, and then they've done the medical, and then they've found something on the medical, Thankfully, in in these instances, nothing bad, but something that actually does increase the premium. So always a little bit of an awkward conversation when you're having to go back to a client and say, look, your premium's not gonna be X, it's now gonna be Y because they've found this. The reaction of of most clients is, oh, well, I, I don't wanna pay the extra. But in reality, they're an insurance company, they've increased it because they see you as a risk. If they see you as a risk, that means that your chances, unfortunately, of needing the insurance are higher. So you should absolutely take it in that scenario. Again, maybe it's highlighted something that you can go and do something about it at a later date, but I think, again, it's a good thing. If, if you know something, you can do something about it.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely. Let's get back to smoking. because um, you were just saying that your insurance is 40% more quite simply because you're a smoker yes. i actually thought it was around the 30
0: percent mark it it kind of varies on um gender so female and male the um premiums are actually different depending on age because obviously at different stages of life there's there's different things that, that can go wrong um, and it's same when it when it comes to smoking as well um, i think the older you are they don't actually differentiate between if you smoke one a day or or 20 a day um, they just look at simply yes or no um, and then yeah it depends on age um, and a few
1: other factors as well Okay. but of course quitting would help however it's still complicated like if you kind of quit and then a month later you apply for life insurance you're still actually classed as a smoker because uh- isn't it 12 months Absolutely, after you've passed, yeah. before yeah. you you classed as a non-smoker?
0: Yeah, you, you have to be 12 months um, fully non-smoker. That includes all nicotine replacements, that definitely includes shisha, although some people believe it doesn't, but it definitely does. Anything that's smoking related. Again, it's, it's one of them things, um, I, I do constantly give up and um, unfortunately I always seem to start again. Um, I have gone the 12 months before, but I didn't change my insurance because I didn't feel confident in myself that I might not be out and, and you know slip and have a cigarette. I would rather make sure that I'm covered than save a few pennies. Mm-hmm. So I, I, th- I think, yes, it's an incentive to give up, but I would suggest you know, if you're fully confident after 12 months, change it. And again, if you do change it and six months later you slip back, you need to be honest and go back to the insurance company and tell them and punish yourself by paying more and by smoking again, which is bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We love a good story on this podcast. So do you know any... Have you got any kind of personal stories of people that you've worked with, um, of situations where maybe individuals were diagnosed and they didn't or individuals were diagnosed and they did, have you you been in the position where you've been able to present a family a check and if Uh, so, um, how how did that feel?
0: Unfortunately, yes, I have. I I won't go into um, specific details just because I haven't asked the person's uh, permission Um, but in in this scenario uh, I remember I got a call on a a Friday, Uh, I answered the phone and, and this Chap said to me that he wanted to meet the next day. Fine, no problem. I, th- I kind of figured from the phone call that everything wasn't honky dory. Um, sat down with him and his wife, and, and obviously he told me the scenario. Um, firstly, it's, it's, it's not nice to sit there, um, but obviously you, you need to remain obviously calm, collective, and, and you need to go through the procedure of, of what they need, to, uh, they need to go through. Um, in this instance, his first words to me was, I wished I'd increased the amount of cover that I had. Um, he, he probably had the minimal amount for, for his situation. Um, but it, it's, it's like anything else, unless you need something, you, you, you don't feel you always want it. So with him, that was basically the first thing he said, I wish I'd kind of listened and increased the amount of cover that I had. Um, however thankfully he did have it and it has made a huge difference uh, to his situation for sure
1: mm. I'm assuming reading in between the lines he was diagnosed or someone within that family was diagnosed with a critical illness yes it
0: was a critical illness yes yeah yeah and thankfully he's, he's still with us today
1: okay fantastic <laughs> So, any other, anything we haven't covered, James, is there any other questions that you get asked that you think would be useful for the listeners to know about?
0: Um, yeah, I think there's... Um, so, there's, there's two, two main types of, of insurance that you can take. Um, there's the term assurance, which simply, just to explain, is a little bit like... Um, car insurance in a way as long as you pay the premiums you're insured if you stop paying the premiums you're, you're no longer insured it has no monetary value unless there's a claim made and obviously it's still in place in, in that scenario the clues in the title term insurance so you decide on a number of years that you want to be covered by that is certainly the cheapest way um, of insuring yourself and a and lot would argue the, the best way of insuring yourself um, now the the slight downside to that one, if you like, is it's, it's not movable. And in terms of you can't increase and decrease the cover, you can't extend or, or shorten the, the length of time that you've got insurance for. Actually, you can shorten it. You can stop paying the premiums. Um, but it has no monetary value. Now, the objection I get from a lot of clients is that they don't want to waste money on insurance if nothing ever happens to them. So some people feel better doing what's called a whole of life plan which are certainly a lot more expensive and they're also linked to an investment element um, which you have to be very careful with because you you need to make sure that whoever you're talking to on that doesn't put in very high return figures because that can then affect the insurance value so um, I'm not saying it's it's good or bad either side it's, it's what suits the individual but I would say just be cautious if, if anyone puts down um, a high growth rate then question it so what would
1: you class as a high growth rate?
0: Anything above 6%. I, th- I think realistically you need to be between 4 and an absolute maximum of 6%. But at least nowadays most of them show a, a 0% as well. Um, the 0% would show with no growth. So that gives you um, kind of a, a complete look at the good and the bad if you like but certainly anything above six percent alarm bells will be ringing for sure because that's very hard and to there achieve are
1: a lot of advisors within this region um because i've sat down with individuals that i've sat with other advisors before and they've shown me their whole of life illustrations and um, they've been really happy because the premium has been quite low but the reason the premium is low is quite simply because the the return on investment has been quoted as being like 10, 12%, which in a whole of life plan is so unrealistic. Like you say, it needs to be around about 5%, 4, 5%, 6% maximum. Um, And that's probably the most, being realistic realistic that these plans are actually going to perform. So if anyone does quote a whole of life plan and they put 10 twelve percent I would personally run a mile because I don't think they're being honest and if they do set that plan up they're, they're literally setting the client up to fail because that essentially means that their premiums are going to double
0: yeah for sure they're, they're, in the future if if so just to explain, if, if they've put in, let's say, eight or 10% growth, and the fund um, only performs at four or 5%, then that there's not enough growth to, to basically keep the figures going as it shows on the illustration, which means at some point in the future, you will have a choice. Either you lower the cover, you increase the monthly premiums, or you make a one-off lump sum payment into it. Now, again, if I would suggest if anyone has, um, an investment plan as such, how many of them are constantly growing at more than 8% a year? I would suggest not that many consistently. And I'm talking over a, a seven to 10 year period. Um, it's very difficult to do that. And I think you need to be especially cautious on the insurance, um, because if, if you put that too high, yes, it brings the premium down. So it makes the client feel good today. Um, but in reality, you know, if, if, if you do a quote for someone and it's too expensive for them, that's fine. You can always reduce the figures down. It's better to have something rather than nothing. But also it's, it's, it's important to get the balance between what's affordable and what's not. Because you don't want someone paying all of their spare money to an insurance plan that they may hopefully not need. But they give them the peace of mind for the future. Um, it has to be in line with, with their Um, budget as much as anything else so sometimes you know it's a case of having something as opposed to to nothing as well
1: Mm. what I'd like to talk about now um, is clients actually and they probably don't do this consciously because they genuinely feel that they're going to get lower premiums but I experienced this a lot and still do is that they just play you off or they compare your quotes the same quote for the same company with another advisor and you know for me that's just a complete and not a time waste because i know that being in the industry um the quotes come out exactly the same is that right
0: yeah ab- absolutely it doesn't matter which broker is running the quote if it's a like-for-like product and then it, the only variable on a on a term assurance would be the, the term and the amount of cover and on a whole of life the same but also um, the the growth um, figure so the, the the amount the investment's actually gonna make. Um, so yeah I mean it's a lot of clients do it and and in a way I understand if If they've never met the person before, I understand they want to search the market. I I get why they do that. You would certainly do that with car insurance. You would go to three or four. Yeah, everyone has the right to shop around. Absolutely, but I think if it's explained to them, and you can then say to them, look. you've got that quote okay let me run the same quote and give it to you there you go it's exactly the same the reason I didn't do that and then to be able to explain and you don't always and I get what you're saying you don't always get the opportunity to do this I understand that but if you you do and then show them you know yes I can do eight or ten percent on the whole of life and it's exactly the same however you now ask that advisor to show you um a fund or a handful of funds that have done that over the period of time that you're taking that plan for, and if they can, I'd be amazed.
1: Exactly, no, I t- yeah. totally agree. So if you're sitting down with advisors, guys, and you're getting the same quotes for the same company from different people, you are actually just wasting your time and you're wasting the advisor's time as well. And. Um, you just kind of like stringing them along really because if it's with the same company it doesn't matter what broker it comes from the price is actually going to be the same they everyone gets these special offers don't they they're all you know kind of um they're not exclusive to any particular to any particular company
0: absolutely not the uh the the special offers are generally all the same all the same and some of them have been running for a long time and I think they'll continue to run for a long time (laughs) I get it's there to close people but don't don't, don't let someone uh, close you on a special offer. If it's there this month, it's likely to be there next month. The important thing is, is to feel comfortable with the amount of cover that you've got is right for you and also that the premium, regardless whether it's term or whole of life, is affordable for you, um, which should be part of the whole conversation anyway. But it's, it's you being comfortable. If there's anything that you're not comfortable about, then I would suggest, you know, wait, get a second opinion, potentially. Um,
1: You're totally right. These special offers do tend to be more of a sales tactic than anything. However, however, when it comes to life insurance, because it is a product that I've always felt very passionate about. Agreed. And um, I've never had any qualms about recommending it to anybody because we all need life insurance and... um, you know if we need to use it we're going to be really really thankful for that so it's important not to put it off because it's very likely that if you do put it off then that's when you're going to need it the most
0: absolutely the other thing to consider as well if you put it off for a year potentially that's probably cost you between six to eight percent more in the premiums generally you get older the price gets more so it's better to fix in the price um, now rather than next year because it'll certainly cost you more
1: okay next question is is there a tax involved now this is something that i used to get asked a lot um what's what do you advise your your clients Uh, when they ask you that question
0: okay it's 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 a very difficult question to answer because um in The region that we're in, which is one of the things I love about it, I deal with so many different nationalities. So it it can be nationality dependent um, based on where they're domiciled. However, I would suggest most countries will tax you on any sort of um, money that's left behind, whether it be life insurance, inheritance, there generally will be a tax. There are normally things you can do to mitigate that. Um, Tax is something that obviously can't be avoided um, but there are there are some things with certain countries that you can do to mitigate it. At the same time, um, it depends on the value because sometimes the cost of doing these structures outweighs the benefit. So again, it's, it's very much an individual conversation. It's, it's a hard question to answer um, kind of for everyone. Um, everyone's different different budgets different amounts different nationalities different tax regimes um so yeah there generally is a consideration there and but there is also generally a solution that can be put in place okay. not always.
1: thank you i didn't really want to end the podcast on a tax question
0: it's probably not the best <laughs> <I'm doing. laughs>
1: sorry oh. What can what can we talk about, lastly? We've been
0: chatting for 40 minutes now, so I do want to wrap it up. Um, I, I would say we've not mentioned about beneficiaries, which is obviously a, a quite an important part of, of any, especially life assurance policy. Um, beneficiaries is, is obviously who you're going to leave the money to in the event of your death. Um, obviously, throughout um your lifetime this this can change you know you can uh, you can have children during that time you could possibly even change partners during that time um so th- the beneficiary wish is, is your wish you can change that whenever you like however many times you like um as long as you're um a hundred percent of mind um then then you can change it and amend it as and when, I mean, for my own personal situation. Um, my brother used to be my sole beneficiary and then I got married, so now it's my wife. You know, it's, so th- things do change and it's, it is easy to, to update these things for What's sure. your
1: brother's relationship like with your wife?
0: It's, it's very good, I mean, when I, when, <laughs> when, when, when I first told <laughs> did my he brother- he know he
1: was your beneficiary? He
0: did, because when I told him, he told me to watch out for falling pianos when I walked out of buildings. Ah. Um, so he definitely <laughs> did know about it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, all, all, all good on that front. All
1: right. Excellent. James, thank you so much for popping into the Rove Hotel today and, um, and having this chat with me. Um, like I say, I think it's a very important issue um, I
0: I would totally agree and uh, you know it's been my pleasure to come in I hope hopefully um, there's some snippets uh, in there that people find useful Um, I I certainly think you know life and critical illness insurance is uh, is the most important thing it's it's certainly the first thing I talk about with clients Um, you know having the basic three to six months cash in the bank for emergencies and then second to that having life and critical illness insurance just to basically bulletproof anything that life throws at you.
1: Mhm. Brilliant. And where can people find you?
0: Um well, in Dubai normally. <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of where I work or in um, terms of contact number or
1: Yeah, I mean, do you have a website?
0: Um, I a Facebook
1: page dedicated?
0: I personally don't. Uh, I'm very bad with technology. So the best um,
1: thing for me to do would I be... have a
0: LinkedIn page.
1: Okay, I'm going to put um, a, uh, the URL to your LinkedIn page and to my LinkedIn page yeah. as well. Yeah, that's right. And um, also your email address and my email address. If anyone would Absolutely. like any further advice on this then you know we'd be happy to speak to them about that yeah
0: yeah for sure I'm more than happy to sit down and try and help someone yeah for sure
1: excellent okay well thank you so much for coming into Rove hotel today and thank you everyone for listening and staying away throughout the duration of this podcast thank you very much to Rove hotel for the ongoing support with the podcast and allowing us to use this fantastic venue to um host the podcast thank you